That's going to be that's going to be something to live up to. Whoa! Hey, I want to start with some testimonies. Uh, there's been some testimonies that have been brought to my attention, and uh, brother, Mr. Monday, come on up. You've got some quick testimonies. I want you guys to hear their hearts. God is definitely, as Jay Shirt says, on the move. And we're seeing some incredible things happen. So, there you go, brother. Well, Pastor Doug told me to make this quick. But that's kind of hard because it entitled, entails my whole life. Um, I grew up in church. And I was saved when I was about 14, I guess. I don't remember exactly when it was. <clears throat> and then... When I got out of high school, I did what most kids do. They go out in the world and do their thing, which I'd already been doing a little bit of while I was going to church. And uh, so anyway, then God got me back into church at uh, uh, Assembly God over in Rogue River in the early 80s. And I got baptized in the Spirit and uh, was working with the youth group. And then Jubilation Fellowship split off from there. And I went, I went over to there at that point. In about 83, God was calling me. And I told him, I got to be in control of my life. And I walked away from church and I walked away from God. Ooh. And then in the mid-90s, he was trying to pull me back. And I was telling him, nope, I don't need you right now. I don't need you right now. And then I fell asleep one night driving, I, I drive truck. And I fell asleep one night and rear-ended another truck. No injuries, but as I open the door and I'm, and I'm climbing out of the truck, I hear, do I have your attention now? <laughs> <laughs> so I proceeded to go on with my life. I started acknowledging God, but I kind of went on my wayward ways until about two years ago when God started calling me back. I don't remember, I don't know if you all remember when the Black Lives Matter stuff was going on, <clears throat> but I was watching TV one day and, <clears throat> and uh, they were making these, they were in this restaurant making these girls kneel in front of them and God, I hear this, what would you do? And I thought about it for a bit, and it's like, there's only one place I'd kneel, and that's at the cross. That started bringing me back. I've been fighting with a prostate issue. A couple weeks ago, I asked God, what's stopping my healing? And real clearly, I heard, control. <laughs> and um, so I repented of that. And he says, how's that working for you? How's that been working for you for 40 years? Two failed marriages, a bankruptcy. Uh, uh. You know, last year he had $25,000 set aside. Now you got nothing. You're, you can't work because of your prostate. You're down to nothing, which I already knew he was bringing me to a point where I had to depend on him. So anyway... Brings us to last, last week. We had a, a class in here for um, deliverance. 
there's Lord, deliverance. And during lunch, somebody else, and I won't say who, was having a problem and needed to be delivered. And I sat in on that, and I watched it. And when it was over, I was shaking so bad I could not hold my plate. And I went. And that lasted for about an hour, hour and a half. And I was like, uh-oh, something stirred up. There's something there. So I told Rebecca, thank you guys, the whole team, by the way. So I told Rebecca about it, and she said, do you want to take care of that? And I said, yeah, I do. So we went in the back room, and we started. Now, in the process of this, God told me, I want you to remember, remember all this because I want your testimony. So we start on it, and we start with the, you know, the little things, you know, the part where you know, I felt insignificant, you know, being told all my life I'd never amount to anything. And uh, we got a little ways, and then we got to another one, and it started getting a little deep. And I had a little short vision, and one thing I'll tell you is every time uh, God shows me something, if he shows me a picture, it's very crystal clear. This was a picture of me hanging on my dad's leg when I was a little kid. And I remember, and I had forgotten about this. And I remember being woke up in the middle of the night with my mom and dad fighting. And I come in and I tried to, I come in and grab my dad and tried to get him off my mom. And he threw me across the room against the wall. And that caused a huge division between my dad and I for our entire lives. And when that spirit came out, it came out speaking in a tongue that is not my prayer language. I don't know what it was. But it came out speaking in, a, in another tongue. But we still did not have it all out. And we went, Rebecca was determined. And I had my head between my legs. I had my, I was bent over, I was sitting there, and I had my head head down, and this demon literally was hissing. I could hear it I could hear it hissing. I could everybody could hear it hissing, and we weren't getting nowhere. Well, I've had high blood pressure since my mid my mid-30s. And so we thought, we did some research and thought, okay, well, that's Python. So we're going through and nothing's happening and nothing's happening. And Rebecca put on some, some worship music and they started worshiping. Now, when that happened, I was told that my eyes rolled back in my head and I got this real evil look on my face. And in the process of the song, I, in my... I told the spirit, I said, now how do you like that? And then the Lord showed me, that's how it got in, through the music. And so when we came back and Rebecca started again, it started hissing again, same way. And then all of a sudden I heard Leviathan come out and I heard her say it, I heard it twice, I don't know how many times she said it. But I coughed a couple times and it was over. It was over. 
So anyway, there's a lot of ways that these can get in. There's, you know, Satan has uh, infiltrated everything, including the church. And there's a lot of people, you know, I mean, mine got in through music, you know. We had bought tickets to go see Come Out in Jesus' Name. We were going to see it here. We gave them to Matt and, and his wife because we had to go to Reno. We got to Reno, and we bought one set of tickets, headed over there to go see it, found out there was no parking, you know, for our truck. So then, okay, well, those tickets are out the window. We just spent 30 bucks on tickets and can't even go see the movie. So we went to another one, spent another, I don't remember how much it was, walked in there, watched that. And after it was over, uh, the next day we're sitting there, and this is about a mu the music for anybody who listens to secular music. I had a collection, probably 200, 250 CDs. I had Aerosmith, Def Leppard, Foghat, you name it, I had it. That morning it all went. Good. Gone. Good. <clears throat> Good. So be careful what you let in. Wow. Well, you're still all here. That's, that's good. You know, you start talking about the demonic, and some people, they slide on their ear for about 100 yards because they're really unfamiliar with what happens in that arena. Uh, one more quick testimony. Jim Erkineff, he's been talking to me for a couple of weeks, and um, he said he's got a fast testimony. Come on, brother. Well, this will be on a different note. And um, you, most people know where I work. Anyway, I work from 7 in the morning till noon, three days a week, Thursday through Saturday. Uh, to make a long story short, which will be... Uh, it was really slow on Thursday, and I'm thinking, well, this is how it is. And a lady came in uh, about 25 years old, pulled up the pump, and uh, went through the routine. She was just kind of sitting there, looked a little dreary. So I just kind of mentioned to her, well, what's going on today? And this was about 8 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't even really bright out yet. And it was, that's what made, called me attention was because there was two kids in the back seat. And she goes, well, I haven't really been getting any sleep lately. Last two days have been really a torture. I go, well, tell me what's going on. She goes, well, my daughter, uh, Amber Lee, in the back seat, swallowed a giant ring two days ago. Oh. And um, when she said giant, I thought, gee, how big a ring can you swallow anyway? And I, and I go, well, you know what? Would you like me to pray with you? And she says, definitely. So I told her, I said, you know, first we're going to pray for you for peace and comfort and, yeah. and rest and Good. the Holy Spirit to guide you <clears throat> through this whole ordeal. She told me originally that, that she had swallowed it, but they had been to the doctor, and the doctor had already been taking a few x-rays, and it had dropped through into the lower intestine, a big one, I guess, or the, the movement. Anyway, so it was there, but it, it's a lot of intestines involved. So I did a prayer with her, and I just... Um, I'm hoping that she'll return. This was this Thursday, and she is a local person, and she'll kind of clarify what, how the ending result is. But I had a really good feeling 
uh, yesterday, and I believe that I think she actually passed it. So I, we were actually going to pray. We were praying for a divine movement. That's all. That's all. And I'm sure that's it's good. happened. Oh my. Oh, oh my. And, and to clarify too, a couple other people came in knowing that they're Christians, so I passed the story on to them so they would be entertaining the, the Holy Spirit and making sure that this all you know came in the right direction. So that would be my quick one minute. That's good, story. Jim. Good. What I love is these testimonies. It's like it's like Jim. He says. Last week, he made a comment, something to the effect of, I don't go to work. I go to the place that I minister from. Man, if you can get that perspective, you can go and do anything for the Lord, right? Well, if you would, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have been talking about, for some time, being vessels of honor, and God cleansing these vessels, these human bodies that we live in, cleaning them, and filling them first with the fruits of the Spirit. And our bodies should be walking around as vessels that are producing really good fruit. When people encounter us, if we are really wanting to be used by God, and, and, and we should be out there walking around, giving away, standing next to people, Things like love, things like peace, things like joy. You guys know what those are, the nine gifts of the of fruits of the Spirit. But then we ended with just coming to this place where we allow God to really do a deep work in us. Because God wants empty vessels that he can fill with his presence, right? And with his presence comes, and this is where we're kind of going to start today, although I really feel God is going to have us do something totally unique today, but I think that we come to this point where God not only wants to fill us with his presence, but also spiritual gifts as well. Gifts that will help grow the body of Christ. Gifts that will edify the body of Christ. Gifts that will build up the body of Christ until we come into the unity of the faith and into the fullness of Jesus. That's what the gifts are truly for. But I don't want to spend a lot of time today hovering on deep teaching, on a deep teaching of the gifts. I got an echo up here bouncing around. Is it me? Am I echo, echo, echo? So let's just start reading, and let's just see what God does today, okay? Paul says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations will say, I do not want you to be ignorant. He's not insulting. Ignorance is just simply the lack of knowing, the lack of knowledge. And down in verse 4, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. So who is the controller of the gifts? Who is the controller of the service? It's God. It's the Spirit of the Lord. Now to, each one is each, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given a spirit, a spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message, it could say word of knowledge 
by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits or discerning of spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, that word tongues translates as languages, and to still another, the interpretation of the tongues or the language. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. That's a lot. We're talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit, the nine spiritual gifts of the Spirit. Now, there are other gifts, and we'll break those down as time goes on. There's many other gifts, but the ones I want to focus on are these gifts right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So someone would ask, well, then what is the purpose of these gifts? Well, verse 7 tells us it's for the common good. It's to build, again, up the body of Christ. It's to build up the church. These gifts, like the gifts listed in Ephesians 4, are to, to equip people for the work of service. In Ephesians 4, we're reminded of the five-fold ministry. These are gifts that God gives to man. These are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And these are all equipping gifts given to the church to serve the church into a healthy place. Okay? So that's the purpose of the spiritual gifts. It's, to, it's for the body of Christ. It's to bring us up. It's to speak words into our lives. It's to have a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom for some. And, and we'll process through all that, but I really feel that God wants us this morning to lean into one particular gift, and we're going to do that. But first of all, let me ask you, if you went to an auto shop and you walked inside and you saw a plethora of tools all over the place, like tools in little containers and boxes. And I know in my shop, I've inherited a lot of tools from my grandfather and my dad. I've got tools to pull gears with and presses to press gears on and welders and all kinds of stuff. But if you were to walk into that auto shop and you were to ask the owner or the mechanic, hey, what, what tools do you use here to fix my car? And he would say, just one. Well, what one do you use? Just this big hammer. Now, most of you would probably be inclined to put it in reverse if your car still ran or push your car away so they didn't work on it. But here's the deal. I think in the church today, we're seeing something very similar to that analogy. We're seeing some that have taken a particular gift out of this list and they focus on it to the exclusion of every other gift on the list. They just focus on that gift. When we just focus on one gift and one gift alone out of the list here of spiritual gifts, we will get out of balance. That is my humble opinion, but I think it's scriptural, that we will get out of balance if we just focus on one of these gifts. In fact, we can go so far as saying, my gift is this gift right here. Now, you may major in a gift, but you can also minor in all of these gifts. I believe that with all my heart. And if you're a vessel and you just simply say like John Wimber did, the founder of the vineyard, I am just change in God's pocket. He can spend me any way he wants. If that's your heart, Father, use me 
any way you want to advance your kingdom. God will begin to let these gifts flow through your life. That's how it works. But if we just focus on one gift, again, we're going to get out of balance. Or here's the worst I've seen happen. It's like something begins to happen and someone will go, hey, brother, can you pray for... That's not my gift. I can't do that. But I have a phone number of six other people. That's their gift. You call them and they'll, they'll come... Man, that's not making yourself available to be used by God. I tell you, many times in my life, God has used prophetic, God has used healing, God has used faith, because I simply made myself available to be used by God in that particular moment. Which leads me to a question, out of all of these gifts, which one is the most important? The one you need at that particular moment. I've seen people so wrapped up in, in, in one of these one of these uh, gifts that actually, it, it, it's like it becomes their identity. I'm telling you, it will get us out of balance. It'll cause us to walk wonky. I want us to be a church, yes, that walks in the spirit, but also we walk in truth. So we're balanced spirit and truth, right? You guys have heard me say that many times. That is my heart. That is my passion. I do not want to see us all run to one side and the boat goes this way. All run back over this and the boat goes that way. Man, people get thrown off the boat. So Mari, Mari said it was brilliant. It isn't just one gift we need. We need all of the gifts. We need to be hitting on all of the cylinders. And, and if we're ever going to defeat this present darkness, if we're ever going to rise up and be that expression of Jesus, we need to learn this. If we're in a situation and if the word of wisdom is what's needed, and I'll break down the list and definitions of some of these later, but I want to focus on one this morning. But if we need a word of wisdom, it'll come. It'll be there. And when it comes, the power of God will show up with it. If we're in a situation where we need a word of knowledge, it'll be there. If you could just be that vessel and allow God to flow through you. A gift of faith, a gift of healing, if it's miracles, if it's prophecy, if it's discernment, that distinguishing between the spirits, if that's what's needed in this moment and it shows up, I'm telling you, the power of God will be there too. Amen? So this morning, I want to lean into one of the gifts on that list, and that is the gift of discernment. The ability to be able to discern spirits. Have you ever had an encounter where you walked into a room and you just felt in your knower, wherever that is in your being, that something wasn't right? How many? Yeah. And you're trying, to, you're trying to figure out what something's wrong in this moment. Something isn't quite right. And, and, and you're just searching. What's, what's going on? What's going on? And perhaps maybe God does say, boom, here's the problem. Instantly you get a word of knowledge about something that happened. And God begins to reveal to you how that happened, what happened. And you're able to minister to that person. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want us to increase our sensitivity to what the Spirit of God is doing. And I want us to be able to, when we step our foot into our circle of influence, we're going to be able to discern what is of God and what is of not, is not of God. Amen? We just watched, I had an opportunity to go with the, the um, deliverance ministry team, woohoo, to watch 
come out in Jesus' name. Oh my goodness. If you get a chance to go, it should be a must-do on your list. Powerful, powerful movement in deliverance right now. Powerful movement. Many, 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 many people are not only getting saved, but they're also getting delivered. People who were believers for years, and we're going to get into that. Yes, even those people are being delivered. We'll, we'll break that down. But let me ask you something. What did, the, um, uh, what did the ministry of Jesus look like? What did the ministry of Jesus look like? If Jesus' ministry is our example, and it should be our ministry, what did his ministry look like that we should be doing in this moment? Now, a lot of people are caught up, some people are caught up in their own ministry. It may seem noble and right, but if you're not doing what Jesus set out for you to do, then you're not being obedient. So we start with doing what Jesus wants us to do. In Matthew 28, Jesus made it very clear in the end. He said, go. You're to go. I'm going to paraphrase here. He said, but go, make disciples of all nations. And he tells them to teach them everything that I have taught you. And that is the ministry that we are to continue in. His ministry was to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. His ministry was to seek and to save the lost. And his ministry was to set the captives free. Amen? And we're right on the cusp, I believe, of seeing an incredible movement in the area of seeing captives set free. That's what's going to elevate this movement of God that we're starting to see to a whole other level. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke 4. I'm going to start in verse 14. Jesus was just tempted in the wilderness by Satan. He comes back, and it says, and Jesus, I'll wait for you a second to get there. I'm starting in verse 14. Chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood to, up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, scroll excuse me, <clears throat> and found the place where it was written. It's interesting to me that Jesus returns to his hometown. He goes to his church, and he's handed a scroll. Do you think that was a coincidence that he was handed that scroll? By no means not. It, it was not a coincidence. This was a divine setup. So he unrolled, he unrolled the scroll, found a place where it was written, and this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." This is what Jesus' ministry really was all about. And he's laying it out here. I have been called to do this. And Jesus said, teach them the things that I taught you. And this is the very thing that Jesus taught his disciples, was to go out and to proclaim liberty to the captives. 
and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who were oppressed. And that's what they did with all of their heart. So when praying with someone, kind of segueing into that, when praying for someone, have you ever noticed or has it ever become an apparent to you, you begin to discern that something isn't quite right as you're praying for them. In other words, something spiritual in nature, something deeper is going on in their life than they're just asking me to pray for their hurt, hurt foot or, or something going on in their family or some kind of something going on. Have you ever had that feeling? You started praying and you discern there's something behind this something here and it seems spiritual in nature. This is what I love about being baptized in the Holy Spirit is once you are and you begin to walk in that power and that authority, man, the Spirit of God begins to highlight stuff to you. How many have experienced that? Yeah, starts to highlight stuff to you. And this is one of those very moments when you're praying for somebody and you go, this is a little deeper than just what's on the surface. There's something spiritual going on here. Luke makes reference to what is called in Luke 13, 11, you don't have to turn there, you can write it down. Uh, he makes reference to what is called an afflicting spirit. He writes, and there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and could not straighten herself up. He didn't say there was a woman bent over because she had a medical condition. Obviously, she had a medical condition, but it was started by something else. There was an afflicting spirit. Psalms 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. So, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The righteous can be afflicted? Yes. Of course the righteous can be afflicted. Not everything, not everything going on and around a person is always biological. It's not. Sometimes there is an afflicting spirit, and it, it, it is the unrelenting root of that person's illness. It is. It's getting quiet in here. Affliction can be an evil entity, and it's, it's designed, and it's a sign to cause distress, disease, and ultimately do everything it can to destroy a person. It, it's, it's from this outside in, which I'll explain in a moment. But there are many in our Western culture... Who would discount this? They would say, but you know, that doesn't happen today. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and we were talking about a deliverance class. He saw the sign, and he said, deliverance, like from spirits? And I said, yeah. And he goes, no, 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 no. That only happens in Africa. doesn't happen here. It only happens in Africa. How can, is there some kind of border wall that keeps, I was like dumbfounded, but he was convinced that that's where it happens. So, so this whole thing of deliverance is null and void. But yet these are the very people that struggle and have issues and have problems. But the Bible reveals that pain, seizures, paralysis, and other problems can emerge from these despicable forces of darkness. They come from the pit of hell. Matthew 4, you don't have to turn here unless you want to. 
Matthew 4, 17, and then I'm going to read verses 23 and t- through 24. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now listen, this is, this is a breakdown of what Jesus is doing with his time. He's full on ministry now. His time has come, and he's rolling into it hard. And he says, Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease, every sickness among the people. And news about him spread throughout Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill. How many believe that God does healings in these chairs? (laughs) If you're really convinced of that, you should be bringing those who are ill. If you believe that, you should be bringing your neighbors if they're sick, if they're struggling. You hear what I'm saying? Or you should be bold enough to pray for them wherever you're at. It's not about these chairs. It's about the faith that you have for what God's going to do for someone sitting in those chairs. And you guys, we have really worked hard at watching your faith Uh, and pouring into your faith, seeing it increase to the point where you believe that when you lay hands on the sick, they recover. And we've seen it time and time and time again. But this place should be packed. If you really are all in, this place should be packed with people that are, have all different kinds of sickness, all kinds of problems, because God wants to heal. That's his heart. And the news about him spread throughout Syria and brought to all who were ill, all those who were suffering with various diseases, and severe pain, demon-possessed, yes, and people with epilepsy, and people who were paralyzed, and he healed them all. That was the ministry of Jesus. That is the ministry that we are to walk in. We are to, we are to be bold enough to lay hands on the sick and see the captives set free. The rest of Matthew, you, you read Matthew, it keeps going into, into, it has this theme of what Jesus is doing. And wherever he goes, whatever he puts his hands on, it's healed, it's touched, it's set free, it's delivered. And we're called to that ministry. God is raising up warriors. And I believe many of you are those warriors that are hearing that heartbeat of God. Luke uh, Luke 6, 17 through 18. He went down with them, stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judah, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region of Tyre and, and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. So, this is where uh, we start crossing these rivers. One camp, more of an evangelical kind of camp, um, may have a sensational doctrine that just says, you know, all of these abilities and gifts died when the last apostle died. They no longer exist. They're not for today. There are those that hold that doctrine and they preach that hard. But we are more of a Pentecostal, charismatic, with some evangelical mixed in with us, as John Wimber would say. But at the end of the day, the big question comes down to how can a believer who has been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit have an unclean spirit within them? Can a born-again, spirit-filled believer be possessed by a demon? Yes. 
let's, let's go a little deeper into this. This is good. This is good, because I'm hearing, yes, no, yes, no, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, and the fight's breaking out over there. Ooh, that's a good one. Let me give you a breakdown. In John 2, you might turn there, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. It's an incredible story. To me, it's an incredible illustration of what's really going on in the spiritual realm when it comes to can a person who's born again, filled with the Spirit, be possessed by a demon, okay? Listen to this. When it was almost time, verse 13, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, in the temple courts, now if you're familiar with any imagery, I was gonna put one on the wall, I totally spaced it. If you see any imagery of the temple courts, you'll see, you'll see there's this huge wall and there's gates that they go through and those are they step into the outer courts. There is a place called the inner courts. That's where the Holy of the Holies is. That's where the presence of God would come. That's where the priests would minister to the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, okay? He found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Talk about righteous anger. Here it comes. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. In other words, Jesus was really upset. He's smacking and he's throwing tables over and he's, he's uh, that would have been quite a sight to see. You know, there's a, in the latter part of that scripture, it says, zeal for your house will consume me. But Jesus... He, he, he could have keep on beating clear everybody out of Jerusalem if he wanted to, but he didn't. He was making a point. And I think this is a great illustration of something for us to look at here for just a moment. So I'll just stop there. We, we get this imagery of Jesus driving the money changers, driving all of the stuff out of the outer courts, right? Things that were infiltrated, the father's house was in, it was in the outer courts and was going on. But do we read anywhere in here he cleaned the inner courts? We don't, do we? We read where Jesus cleansed the temple, yes, the outer courts. But he did not go into the inner courts. He did not go into the Holy of Holies. Why? He didn't need to be there, right? Because the presence of God was there. So if man is a three-part being... Most of you have heard that teaching. Man has a spirit. That would be considered as our inner court. That's the holy of holies. That's where the spirit of God has reconnected to our spirit and has connected us to him. That is the part that seals us. That is the part that says, once the spirit of God is there, once the spirit has filled you, you're good to go. You could get hit by a bus. Well, maybe a camel in those days, and you would immediately be in another place, but it would, not be, it would not be hell. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, we see that to be absent from this is to be in the presence of the Lord. So if you're born again, spirit-filled, your spirit is good to go. 
But that doesn't mean you're going to live your best life. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be harassed and pressed down and whooped on and beat. A lot of people have this thinking, I'm saved, and I'm just going to sit on this bench and wait for the rapture bus to come. Uh, I'm good. I'm saved. Well, you are. All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know there's nuances in that and some different opinions, but at the end of the day, that's what the Word of God says. But you're not living your best life. You're not living a life that you were created to live, and that is to advance the kingdom of God, to be used by God, to do extraordinary things. Let's move on. We have a spirit, inner court. We have a soul. That is the outer court. We have a body. That is the outer court. So, here's what we have to remember, that... If we're born again, I'm going to reiterate this. If we're born again and spirit-filled, our spirit has been sanctified. It's done. It's done. We're good. But we need to understand, in the outer courts, that's where our soul is. And that's where our body is. And one thing we have to understand is that our soul is in the process of being sanctified. It's not instantly sanctified. How many of you gotten saved and you're trying your hardest to walk the walk and you're always wrestling with that old nature? Paul talked about that time and time again. So the soul has to do with our will, our mind, and our emotions. And those are the places that those afflicting spirits can come and can mess with us. Now, I'm not talking about someone who's not born again. I'm talking about you guys. I'm talking to the family of God. If you are born again, if you are spirit-filled, where the enemy will come the most, unless you make some weird covenant with him, he will come and he will press into the outer courts of your life and make you absolutely miserable. And those afflictions can manifest in all different ways. He can mess with our mind. He can mess with our spirit. He, not our spirit. He can mess with our mind. He can mess with our will. He can mess with our emotions. Uh, Jay, stand up. This is an afflicting spirit. You're trying to be walking a good life for Jesus, right? Look at this pig. You've been working out? No. Okay. You've been walking with Jesus. And you're just doing your thing, trying to do and walk that good life, doing your best you can. And here's an afflicting spirit. You just look for it. You're just like doing your thing. Afflicting spirit just comes up and they just, they just torment you. They just torment you. They, they just... Let me hook you real right. No. <laughs> they torment you and they, they mess with you. They speak to your mind. You're not good enough. You'll never. Why can't you be like your cousin? He's such a good guy. On the other hand, you've got the voice of the Lord going, no, that's not true. That's not true. You're, you're a mighty man of valor. And then you got, you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. coming. Thanks, Jay. It's coming from every angle. Let's hear it for Jay. He's just... No, thank you. So that's what afflicting spirits do. Now, here's, here's why I'm going here today, because we're going to land somewhere, I hope, really amazing. We can share this stuff. We can talk about the good things of God. We can talk about who you are in Christ. We can talk about being vessels of honor. We can talk about being filled with all of this stuff. And some of you go home. You go back to life. And all of a sudden, none of that really seems to ring a bell, and you feel as if you're being robbed. You feel as if, well, I, I, Pastor, I tried. 
I pray, I fast, I do everything until the cows come home and, and it's not working. I just can't seem to catch a break. It seems like at every corner, my finances collapse, or at every corner, I'm, I'm getting sick again, or at every corner, every time I turn around, something catastrophic is rolling into my life. How many know that feeling? Yeah, yeah. So again, the process of sanctification with our soul is a lifelong journey. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 tells us this very thing. It says, brothers, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is a process that we go through. We were born in this world. We were, we were rolled around in this world. We were labeled by this world. We were tortured by this world in all kinds of crazy ways, shapes, and form. And at the end of the day, God says, Let's change your way of thinking. We need to turn away from this way of thinking. You're not a loser. In me, you can do all things. In me, you're great. In me, you're more than a conqueror. <clears throat> so, I'm saying all of this to say that in the outer courts of our being, the mind, our will, our emotions, and even our physical bodies, this is where most of those afflictions are gonna manifest. And I believe that if you could look at them, look at it like this, these are the places where unclean spirits will come. They will oppress, they will harass. Think of it as if squatters on your property. Many of you have afflicting spirits squatting on your property. I'm not saying they've come in and they've possessed you and you've turned you into a zombie. That's not what I'm saying. In the context of being born again, spirit-filled believer, I'm saying they can be camping on your lawn because somehow you opened the gate and you allowed them to come in. And if you know anything about squatters, they're almost impossible. In fact, there are rules and laws now that protect the squatters. Yeah. They're tough to get rid of. But I'm telling you, there's a higher law that gets rid of the squatters. There is a higher law. It's time to speak to those squatters. It's time to speak to those afflicting spirits. I wrote here, every believer must be positioned to confront the spirits of affliction, demanding that they leave in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, some issues in your life that you're experiencing, you're praying over and over and over again for, I'm telling you, these issues will not subside until you deal with the reality of where these things are coming from. They're coming from the pit. I've asked Rebecca Moran, I totally put her on the spot, totally. I asked her to come help with this because she has an incredible ministry. She has an anointing for deliverance. And I've asked Rebecca to be part of this because I want to call out some of these spirit, spirits of affliction that might be harassing or spirits of affliction that you've allowed to come camp on your property. We're gonna call them out in the name of Jesus because I wanna see you totally set free. I wanna see you be in a place that you're super healthy and that you become a vessel of honor for God, ready and fit to serve Him. Amen? How many want that? How many tired of, yeah.
totally winging it now. We're just trusting Jesus. Yes. There you go. So uh, I knew that this was coming today, but uh, I woke up about three in the morning and I just <clears throat> couldn't sleep. And the things that were happening today were kind of playing through in my mind. And uh, shame was the big one that I just kept thinking, not for myself, but for people <clears throat> in the church. And then I looked at Doug's notes, and that was the first one that he had listed there. So I think that's what we need to go after. Um, I grew up in the church. Um, I was definitely saved, but um, I couldn't get past my flesh. I just let my flesh take over with lust and um, whether it be sexual things or even just uh, for money, lust for money in things. And uh, I never heard anyone say there was hope for that, for me. I just thought I'm going to have to suffer my way through this. And I wish someone had told me that deliverance was an option. Uh, so I just want to call out that spirit of shame that is over anyone here today because of maybe things that they've done in their life that they, you know, the enemy's just coming after you saying, you know, you're never going to be good enough. That sin is too great for God to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a lie from the enemy. Um, also shame from things that were done to you, things that you had no control over. That's something that um, you shouldn't carry. That is something that has been wiped away by the blood on the cross. Uh, all guilt, it's got to go. That is not a way to live. So I just call out every spirit of guilt and shame and condemnation right now in Jesus' name. You don't belong in this house. You don't, do not belong in these temples. We are cleansing the outer courts today. And if you don't want that, if you're struggling with that, if that's something that you're just like, man, I got to get past this. I can't live this way anymore. Renounce it. Just say, shame, I renounce you. You don't live in my house. You're a trespasser. It's yeah, time to yeah. go. Today's eviction day for you. Amen. All guilt, condemnation, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is a promise from the Lord. Let's stand. Let's stand. There's a scripture in James 5.13, says this, if any among you is afflicted, <clears throat> let him pray. You have a personal responsibility to step into freedom. 
we're not up here to twist your arm. We're not here to goad you. We're just here to say this is what the Word of God says. And if you're tired of feeling like you've had this, the brakes put on you, the skids put, whatever, if you're tired of you just can't seem to break through it, you have a personal responsibility to step up and to, and, and, and to pray that God would set you free from these afflicting spirits. So I, I just want to back up a second. This, this, this feelings of shame and, and, and guilt that are not yielding uh, to God's voice, God's forgiveness, you just you feel like you're locked there, I'd like you to just come forward. Come forward. If you feel like you're in that place, the shame and guilt has got you consumed and you're struggling, okay? This is your moment. This is your moment. The other thing I have on my list is mental torment. Some of you are listening to voices, and these voices are absolutely wrecking you. They're voices coming from family. They're coming from the past. They're coming from people you trusted that have spoken things into your life that were not true, and you believe them, and your spirit is crushed. Those are the spirits. You, those are afflicting spirits. They're poking and poking and poking. And, Why can't you be like your brother? You're not good enough. How come you're not like... Why? You guys know the voices that have absolutely crushed some of your spirits. If that's you, come forward. Come forward. We want to pray for you. Come forward. So this uh, movie, Come Out in Jesus' Name, <clears throat> the end of the movie... The theater turned into church, but huh. the, the biblical church, where deliverance was done in the public for everyone to see, people were praising the name of Jesus in that theater. Spirits were coming out in that theater. 2,000 theaters across America, that was happening, and it's going to be happening again in April. So if they can do church there, we certainly should be able to do church here and have this as a safe place to say, hey, I'm hurting. I need help. I need set free from these things. How about this? Reoccurring nightmares. Some of you are struggling with reoccurring nightmares and or frightening thoughts. Man, that's a big one. That is very, very crippling. And there's afflicting spirits that want to keep poking you in the middle of the night. You can't sleep. You keep re this dream keeps coming back. You're fighting. You're doing everything you can. In fact, you're ready to sign up for the Try Harder Club. There is no Try Harder Club in Christ. Yes, there's not. So if that's you, if you're struggling with reoccurring nightmares and thoughts that you know are not your thoughts, mm, come forward. Come forward. So I just call out every... tormenting spirit that has mind control over you yes. that is causing you fear and anxiety it's time to go Yeah. you don't belong here it's time to go all fear anxiety has to go in Jesus name <clears throat> many many years ago I was I was tormented and um, I had tried to jump through so many religious hoops. If I just prayed long enough, if I, if I fasted, if I did all of the right things, then maybe God would hear me and he would take care of this. Yes. 
And it was all a false premise because it was, it's nothing that we could ever do. But everything that he did on the cross, we stand pure. We stand holy. Yeah. So when I finally realized that, I gave up and I said, there's nothing I can do. And I was so desperate that one time during worship, I was worshiping with all I had. And the Lord spoke to me and he surprised me and I opened up my eyes and I saw scales fall off of my eyes and shatter on the floor. And Jesus talked to me and he spoke and he said, it was nothing that you could have ever done, but everything that I did on the cross, you are pure. Yes. And I've never been the same since. It's good. So there has to be a desperateness in your heart. I don't want to live with this anymore. Yes. He alone has the words of freedom. Yes. I just want to say, renounce that thing that has control over you. Yes. <clears throat> Pornography, alcohol addiction, smoking weed, whatever it is, renounce that thing. It should have no part of you. You do not have to live with that any longer. Those secrets, you don't have to live with it. Renounce that thing. Be done with it. Break up with it. Yes. Yes. Perhaps you have physical or psychological problems that are not responding to medicine or normal medical treatment. It's like, they can't find anything wrong with me, but something's wrong with me. I hear that a lot. I was diagnosed with this, but this other doctor says that, and that one says this and that, and no one can figure it out, and I'm just tormented. It's ruined my life. It's trapped me. It's kept me captive. That, my friend, is an afflicting spirit. So if that's you, come forward. Come forward. So we just call out all infirmity, all <clears throat> sickness, cancer, you have to go, diabetes, you have to go yes, now in yes, Jesus' yes. name. You have no place here. It's time to go. All sickness has to go now in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. Every tormenting spirit, it's time to go. Yes. It's time to go. Up yes. and out. Time yes. to go. Yes. We have authority as believers Thank you, Jesus. to cast you out, Thank you, Jesus. to trample on snakes and scorpions. Yeah. It's time for you to go. Yes, yes. It's time for you to leave God's people alone. We're done with you. We renounce you. Sickness, we renounce you. Infirmity, we renounce you. It's time to go. Up and out. It's time to go. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that pastorally I deal with a lot is people processing through grief. Grief has been a big issue in the last few years. Many of us have lost loved ones through various things and ways and stuff, and, and, and we started the grieving process. Now, grief is a healthy thing if it's done in a healthy way, but some of you are stuck in the grieving cycle, and you're still in it, and it's been years and years and years, and you simply cannot get out of that cycle. Every, every little nuance reminds you of that moment, and that grief has held you captive. That, my friends, is an afflicting spirit. 
So I just call out that spirit of grief. It's time to go, that spirit of sorrow, heaviness. It has to go now. Every burden. We lift you up and out of God's people now in Jesus' yes. name. All grief has to go. Yes. Sorrow <clears throat> out now in Jesus' name. Mm. It's time to go. It's eviction day. It's time to go. All sadness, all depression, it's time to go. That spirit of heaviness, it's time to go up and out. We have the authority over you. It's time to go in Jesus' name. We break addictions right now in Jesus' name. Yes. Pornography, we break you. We stomp on your head, pornography. It's time to go. All drug addictions, it's time to get out. Leave God's people alone. It's time to go. Every addiction to alcohol, we break you. We break your power right now in Jesus' name. Every generational curse, we break you now in yes. Jesus' mighty name. That's good. You do yes. not afflict God's people. Yes. It's time yes. to stop. Yes, yes. It will not continue <clears throat> down the generational line. We break you now in Jesus' name. All fear, you got to go. There is no place for you here. Fear and anxiety, it's time to go. Up and out. Yeah. Every spirit of confusion, I break you. I break your power now in Jesus' name. All confusion, all mental confusion and mental fog, I break you. You come up and out now in Jesus' name. Yes, yes. yes. Every mental illness that the doctor has said that you have, I cancel that curse. You don't have that. You are healed in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. It's time to go up and out. Every spirit of infirmity, every sickness, it's time to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Mm. <clears throat> mm. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I don't, I, I don't know you guys. I just see you back here. And I, I just see warrior spirit on both you guys. I just do. You guys are fighters. You've been in the fight, and you know how to fight. And I just see God's doing radical radical renovation in your hearts. Thank you for coming today. And I just know that God's got incredible plans for your life. Both of you guys, incredible stuff. Man, warrior spirit. Father, I just, may I pray for you? I hope that's okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. But Father, I lift up this brother and sister to you, Lord. We just speak into their lives. We speak, fire of God come. Fire of God fall. Thank you, God. Father, we're not here for just some kind of big show, God. We're here to just 
lean into you and to trust you with all of our life, God. And Father, I pray that you will lead them, you will guide them into some of the most craziest places they've ever been, God, knowing that you've called them to these places. And Father, I just see you gifting them with the ability to, wow, to call down and to call forth those that are not of you. Oh my goodness, ripping down walls, remodeling stuff for people, helping people walk into a whole new way of living their lives for you, God. Father, I pray that you would build a wall on their right and their left and behind them so high that none of the enemy's darts could touch them. And Father, they could see the path that you have for them as you blow the smoke away and they're faithful to put one foot in front of the other, God. I just see you allowing them to walk in to some of the most incredible places, God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you man. I call out the spirit of witchcraft. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Your day's coming to an end, witchcraft. It's time to go. Everything occult, it's time to go. You, we break your power now in Jesus' name. Everything that's come through the television, through secular music, we break your power now. That spirit of chaos, we break it now in Jesus' name. Every spirit that's causing gender confusion, I break you now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of homosexuality, we break you now in Jesus' name. It's time to go. It's up and out. That spirit of confusion over our kids, we break you now in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. This is not normal church, <laughs> but I believe this is what it should look like. Captives being set free. <clears throat> if you feel you need more prayer because this can go deeper this young lady and her team want to pray for you so don't be afraid to stay <clears throat> and ask them to pray for you okay it's a big deal and, and if you want to more in a private setting. I know Rebecca will make time for that. That's what they do. And talk to Rebecca, and they will create a place and a space ASAP for you to go and to be just set free even deeper. Because this can go deeper, and we understand that. I wanted to speak to believers this morning. I want to speak to those of you that are born again, yet you have stuff camping on your lawn. It's time for it to go. Amen? So I think it would be really good, like Barb suggested, at the count of three, if we could do this, if we could shout freedom. Yeah. Can we do that? Freedom. Hold on a second. I don't want to...
Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No blue paint. I don't have any blue paint, but... Well, if, if there's people here still being prayed for, let's honor that. And if you could help with some of the chairs, that'd be sweet. Uh, go have a glorious day, and thank you for coming.